Welcome to the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with emerging artists and industry leaders about all things paper flowers. Through this podcast, we hope to continue to share knowledge, connect all of us together, and elevate the artistry of each and every one of us. Hello, I'm Quinn Wen. I'm Jesse Chu. I'm Priscilla Park. Our mission is to share, connect, and elevate the paper floral industry. We are some of the voices behind the Paper Floors Collective. Welcome to our podcast, Paper Talk. Welcome to episode 14 of the Paper Talk. Today we're chatting with Amity Libby of Flora Bean. Amity is well known and admired in the paper flower community for her natural teaching spirit and inspired approach to paper floristry. Welcome, Hello. Amity. Oh, hi. Hello. So hey, excited ladies. to see you. <laughs> I know. It's been, I think it's been over six months since we've actually seen each other. I know. I miss meeting with a bunch of people online, but I do so much on Instagram now that I feel like my social needs are well established. I want to congratulate you on your wedding. Oh, so <laughs> We eloped. We didn't have a big paper flower wedding. We're not fancy people. I mean, can't say we're not fancy. We're just, we're too practical. We're like, oh, I'm going away on a trip. Let's get married. <laughs> yeah, it was really laid back. We did everything sort of backwards. You know, we moved in, we had the baby, we bought the house together, and then we got married. So for us, it was already, everything was pretty much cemented. It was just the legal paperwork. Yeah. But yeah. Right. It's going to be hard to call you Amity Libby, though. I'm always like, I Amity B. I, I never thought I would change my name. I had been married in my 20s and had a different last name. And when I took my name back, I was very adamant that I was going to keep it. And, you know, I just love Owen so much. I want to be a Libby. It's, it feels good. I've definitely had a softening of my heart about being married. <laughs> That's awesome. So talking about being married, so how do you feel about Flora Bean? You know, I think, so first of all, I'll say he's a super supportive um, spouse. In fact, he carved out a little space for me this year where he works. I said, I need a space to work. The building I was in is being sold. So he gave me a, some of his basement studio space, which was huge for him. So he's super supportive. Uh, um, I think in the beginning, of course, we had just moved in and we found out we were pregnant when I started. And he was like, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> like you're sitting at home pregnant yeah. and sort of miserable. So yeah, whatever makes you happy. Then as it began to grow and I saw some best, he felt really good about that because there was some income attached to what I was doing. And that has made a huge difference in yeah. our lives. And once he saw it as a job, like he's good to go. He takes our kid to daycare. He picks her up. Mm -hmm. He is... He's awesome. The one thing that he has had an issue with, and I'm sure we all have been there, is the amount of space that my work <laughs> takes up. Yes, <laughs> I get that too. <laughs> yeah. So that has led to me, like, it sort of forced me into growth. That kind of forced me to look for a space outside of my house. And that sort of forced me to ask for patrons to help me out with that. And that sort of, you know, led to my subscription as it is today. So I would say Owen's support has definitely helped me bloom you know and even him just saying no clean the table we have to eat <laughs> so it, it forced me into a mindset I've heard that of like, before. okay let's I gotta take this seriously like my family has to have a, a home yeah. yeah he's he's great I have to say awesome. I'm still all newlywed you know I'm just like oh, oh I'm just, you know, we've been together almost five years so it's like we and we finally got married so it's like yep yeah, nope I'm ready to celebrate and <laughs> you deserve it Definitely. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm really happy for you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. 
you know, he's changed jobs recently as well. We were both teachers for so many years. Both of us sort of dropping that was very transformative. It's like any butterfly, you're stuck in that cocoon for such a long time and it's such an effort to get out. But then we were both like, wow, we are in a space where we feel we were supposed to be. And then it felt right to get married. Not when we were kind of miserable on other people's mm -hmm. schedules and other people's deadlines. So, and now it's like we have to figure out our own game but it's pretty fun. So now that you're not teaching anymore, you're focusing exclusively on your paper flower art? Yes. Tell us a little bit about your business model. It's a little bit different from some of ours. Uh, yeah, I think so. So I basically sort of have this reputation for, I like to go live and I have no qualms about screwing up on camera. Because I was a teacher in the state of Maine, we had this technology initiative starting back in 2000. Working with kids online was part of what we did and making videos and using computers in the classroom. And so I sort of, that was a natural extension of floor beam. It was like, mm -hmm. oh, I could totally use how I teach the kids to share with this paper flower thing. And that, that makes um, sense. I can do a really formal curriculum. And that's what my master class really is. It's a scaffolded, really well thought out pattern curriculum. But my subscription model is just me being the teacher, freaky, funky, ha 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 look at this what am i doing telling stories showing people stuff people really like that i go live on instagram and i'm i'm very random about that because of my toddler mm -hmm. although now that i have daycare i'm a little less random but then the people that subscribe to my studio have access to those live in a video library i will say i have times where i'm way more creative and productive with paper flowers and mm -hmm. summer is not one of those times <laughs> my patrons that's completely <laughs> normal Completely normal. Yeah. I don't think everyone can be 24 seven on. Yeah. Right. When I'm stuck inside and, this, and it's snowing, it's like, I just want to make colorful, beautiful stuff. But yeah, so right now I'm sort of on light duty. The other thing I'll say is for better or for worse, I have ADHD. I changed my focus a million times and my patrons don't seem to mind. They jump with me from one idea to the next, kind of encourage me and applaud me in some of what I'm doing, you know. I'm trying to really focus hard this month on just doing sunflowers. And I know some other paper florists have a model where they, you know, you guys in the posy box, like you're doing peony this month and everybody knows it. Well, in my subscription, I might do a peony today and a rose tomorrow and a dahlia on Thursday because it's my brain, right? So I'm really trying hard to focus on sunflowers this <laughs> month. And I'm actually really diving deep into the botany of it. And mm -hmm. I think part of why people like my subscription is I'm just like a geek. Like I'll research stuff obsessively. I'll learn more about it. And then I'll share what I learned because I'm a sharer. I like to share. I like everyone to know the cool stuff. And I, I think that's like the basis of my subscription is let me share this cool stuff with you. Mm -hmm. And my price point is fairly low. I think in our industry. And I think that helps with the attention span. Yeah. You know, people are paying for some creative ideas, but you have to listen to a hundred other ideas, you know, while we're at it. It is what it is. And I'm so grateful that I have a group of people who like they really kind of groove with that. And I have an international crowd. I have to say, I feel so proud of that. I was an exchange student in high school and it's always been my dream to have an international job. I thought I was going to be a diplomat. Like I really did. I took the foreign service exam and I failed it. So no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is my way of like keeping those connections and feeling connected to other people around the world, which that's the thrill for me stuck on this mountain, you know, is not feeling so alone. And you do such a great job of that. Like every time I see people commenting, it's like people from just all over who are mm -hmm. drawn to your, you know, your account and your teaching style. But besides paper flowers, you also grow real we flowers, do. right? Can you tell us a little we, bit about we that? We do. So we, we actually own about 50 acres, but it's, I would say 49 and a half acres are forested. So we've carved out just different gardens around our home that I've been able to start 
planting perennials and this year I have dahlias. It's actually my third year with dahlias. I know I can sell these stems if I can only grow them and I see like I can make them in paper but I have yet to sort of crack the Dahlia code and I think this is the year. So I'm super excited about that. I work with a local florist. It's never going to make me rich, but she'll buy whatever I can grow that's on her list. It's just really fun. It's like a cottage industry, a seasonal cottage industry. Very typical of a main person to do a seasonal thing like this. So I'm excited to keep expanding it as we will keep growing every year. We keep growing and hopefully I'd like to retire on an apple orchard and a peony patch and get enough income from each of these things to enjoy life someplace hot. <laughs> do you plan to move to Portugal one day? Because I know that's one of your love. I actually, I have a huge goal to do that with my daughter before she turns 10. And of course, Owen, I would love Owen to come as well. But I actually have a friend that she was married to someone. She is married to someone from France and they lived in the United States and she took the kids to France for two years so that they could learn their father language. Now, Owen's native language isn't Portuguese, but it's so important for me, for my kid to see a place other than small town Maine, which is a wonderful place to grow up. Don't get me wrong, but there's so much more out there. I was an exchange student. I was 15. It was great. But I think if I could get her like between the ages of like five and 10 for a 10 to 12 month day, that would be my goals realized as a human. Like, okay, I birthed this kid and now she can function in the world. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just. I want to, I want her to be a global citizen. So Owen's super supportive of that. And I have family there from my, my exchange year. They live in Portugal now. I think that having an instant connection with people who I know and love would be the reason I would choose Portugal. And Portugal is such a beautiful country. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. It's gorgeous. Do you know what people, um, like, what is the perspective on paper flowers in Portugal? Is that big or is it even well, a thing kind of on the radar? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I connected with a Portuguese artist from Porto. Her name is Ana Lajardo. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering her name, by the way. I do not speak Portuguese yet. <laughs> I, I tried to send her some crepes through the Portuguese post, but we still, we've had no resolution. I don't think she's received the package. <laughs> um, she sent Aww. me crepes that my family there received and I, it came the day after I left oh, so that was the oh, yeah um, but I, I'll be back like my I want to go back in September we'll see if that happens um might be a little bit later so th the other thing that happened was I went to a florist shop to order some corsages my niece there was graduating high school we ordered some corsage and I was showing them some pictures of flowers that I made and they said yeah we have a woman that comes and purchases flowers to, to deconstruct to make them and I was like no way if I had more time I want I would meet her I would love to meet her yeah but I think it's picking up around the world you know there's definitely hot spots mm -hmm. more like Russia but yeah. as people I know in Brazil like it's huge it's a huge thing so as you learn other languages and start to look at other hashtags and stuff then you're like oh it, there's a whole other group out here it's just not in English yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your hashtag, paper not picked. I love that hashtag. It is, people should go and take a look. There's so oh, many thanks. beautiful mm -hmm. pictures from all over the world with paper artists showcasing their paper flowers. Tell us why you chose that hashtag, how you create it, and how has it evolved to what you have right now? You know, I almost think that hashtag may have come out of a group conversation that you may have hosted on Instagram. A bunch of us used to chit chat on that group chat and throw ideas around and talk about our work. I think I was talking with Gemma, Gem of Petals and Paper, something about the alliteration, paper not pick. I was like, okay, that sounds great. And now you have to know that I'm a language person. So I, I just love, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a poet like for my job. <laughs> um, so, no, so, so that was my little poetry and hashtags. I think there's 13,000 people. And I think it's mostly because wow. it makes sense. 
Yes. They're like, yes, it makes sense. It describes what we do in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. Yep. And the fun part is the curation. To me, that is, I don't want to be rude, but that is my craft. Like I go on paper, not pick, and I scroll through and I go, ah, ooh, ah, ooh. And then I start putting <laughs> schemes together, colors together, you know, backgrounds together until I get something I like. And that's when I quote. And so it's just total inspiration for me. It's just a wonderful library of images mm -hmm. that I didn't even intend to start. But I think, you know, curating what I feel is some of the most wonderful ones. It just makes me feel great. And I, people really resonate with it. And it's a beautiful gallery, such mm -hmm. a great inspiration. And let's talk a little bit about your studio and how you actually pull that together. Mm -hmm. How you go about deciding on the tutorials you teach? What are your, how does your student take that? And what is the reception? What do they do with it afterward? So I think you're talking about my Instagram studio floor being subscription. Mm -hmm which is where I go live on my main account. That's the model. I go live on my main account and I have, I just reached over 10,000 followers. So depending on the time of day, I'll get quite a range of an audience and then I'll save that and my subscribers will have access to it. Like I was saying earlier, I'm a little bit ADHD, but over the winter, I put together quite a few lives strung together that were me constructing flowers from beginning to end. And so that's really what I try to do. And some of them are hits, some of them are misses, some of them people never make. But the ones that resonate with people, you're like, oh, there's one. Oh, there's another one. And that mm -hmm. feels really cool. But I try not to take it, you know, personally, if people don't make my stuff, I actually think a lot of people subscribe. I know it may sound odd, but because I talk a lot during my lives, there's no empty space. And I tell stories and I talk about the whys and if I mess up, how I would fix it. We'll just like to hear me talk. Mm -hmm. Sounds sounds odd, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm totally okay with it. I will talk to you all day long. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> So in my um, Instagram live, video library subscription, probably the most popular tutorial that I've done live was using Leah Griffith paper. And it was from, I believe her English country garden collection. And it was raspberry, beautiful, dark. And that peony has just had so many responses, people who have subscribed just to make it and then posted it. So that's been super exciting to see. Try not to take it personally. If I make something that people don't particularly like, I was so excited about chrysanthemum that I made last fall. And I took so much time and care and I don't think anyone's made it, you know, but it's a little again. bit daunting when people look at those mini petals. They're a little bit, oh, I like to look at it, but they don't want to take the time and effort to actually create it. Yeah. And I think with the chrysanthemum, it's all about, I don't do individual petals. I do a lot of paper doll cutting. It's all about feeling grading up as you go yep. and just taking your sweet time with each grade, you know. But the other, uh, I was trying to think of another popular uh, tutorial from my video library. People really love my Dublet wow. chrysanthemum which I think I remember Jesse sharing it with you a few years back in a maker's meeting saying, oh, look at this thing I did. <laughs> when I revisited it yeah, this winter, tough. I kind of nailed it. and was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to share this with everybody. Yeah. And people really were really into that because it's yeah. a cute little ball doll, yeah? Yeah. Um, I, I think I said chrysanthemum. I meant ball doll. I really like the live format. I like going live and, and sort of riffing with people as they ask mm -hmm. me questions, asking them what time it is, where yeah. they live. <laughs> what the weather is where they live. I think because I'm stuck up on the hill, not stuck, because I choose to live on this beautiful ridge in the middle of nowhere, Maine. <laughs> it's exciting to have outlet that interactive. Yeah. So. Well, your work is so recognizable in some ways. You have a certain style. So <laughs> you or one of your subscribers 
post yeah. a flower that you've made, we can kind of, you know, we can really pinpoint and say, oh, that was from, you know, Amity's, Amity's course, or that's one of Amity's flowers. And yeah. I think that's what makes it so special is because, you know, you just have a different spin on these flowers. Yes, a peony is a peony, but there's a different spin to it, which I think it's great. You know, it's nobody can copy it. Most of it's about my hacks. Like, how did I do this without doing all the work? Because it's all related to my time. Mm-hmm. how much time or lack of time I'm experiencing. And I think that one of the things to differentiate as well is I have created a formal course this winter that was called Pure Romance. Now, I don't know if you know the story behind my course. It's unfortunate, but I named it after a sex toy company by mistake. (laughs) (laughs) That is why I hashtag everything Pure Romance Studio Floor B so that it just a little bit different path. So that was my mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. You'll be like, wow, she's popular. So not, not me. Uh, so, so, but in that course, I did five, five different flowers and foliages in a row. That is a course that I can see the ranunculus is what I would say is my signature bloom that I've done where I see it out in the wild. And I'm like, yeah, they took pure romance. Yeah, they took my course. Or another one is people really love the peony from that course. It was modeled after a John Darian photo of Pearl Charm. And people just love that peony and the way that I constructed it. So when I see it, I'm like, yep, that's your romance, Studio Florida. And I did that. So that, and that feels pretty good that I have a model that can be replicated. Mm -hmm. People, People can do it. And the bouquet at the end of that particular course, I think, was what brought people over the edge, right? It's like, oh, not only did you make 50 to 70 flowers, but now here's what you do with them. In a, and I gave them two choices, two bouquet styles. That was a real successful course for me. And it made me think, wow, you, it's okay to be formal. It's okay to be Miss Bean again. It's okay to go back to your roots as an educator and think about how do adult learners actually learn, right? How do we break it down for them? How do we give them access? Because adults really learn different than children. And with the success of that course, I'm planning again for the next winter to release another similar venture where you end up with a product after making a lot of stuff. Nice. People remarked that they spent between, you know, 30 and 80 hours on this course. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, wow, that's good. If I, te- if I kept your attention for 80 hours, maybe I'm not so ADD after all. Maybe I can focus. It's just finding that thread that keeps me engaged, right? That's the part that I really struggle with, making sure that the needs of this wonderful group are met that have subscribed to my community, but also trying to keep this brain, like, engaged and growing and continuing mm-hmm. on. And mm-hmm. I think that's why I like to learn other languages. It just, it adds that extra layer that I need to just keep engaged with it. I'd like to bring my master class to other languages. That's another project I have in the works, a Portuguese translation. I have a German translator lined up, people who I've worked with in my community, but I have yet to get this butt in a chair since <laughs> the sun came out. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a winter project. <laughs> it's a winter project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So one of my questions to you is you have all these students that are taking your courses. How do you worry about copyright? What is your copyright issue? Oh, well, that's a great question. When I came up with the Pure Romance Studio Floor Bean Masterclass, I actually hired someone to do my template because even though it's a focused heavily on learning how to cut freehand, people in my marketing group said, no, we need that crutch. Like, we like it. We love you. But we, we, want, we, we want to pay for these templates. Like, we want to pay for the crutch. 
And I said, okay, you can pay for it. So I hired someone in my community. He created these templates. And then I thought, oh no, I've never done templates before because of this issue. Now what? Now what's going to happen? So I did something I had never done before. And that is I put something in the course that said, if you're interested in licensing the components of this course on these templates, let me know. And I had people contact me about that. And I, my opening offer was $500 to license it, to teach. Someone said, I can't make money teaching your work in a workshop. People don't make money if they have to pay for it. And I said, ding, ding, ding. I'm a content creator. I worked so hard to make this course. It took me about six weeks of my life. I paid for daycare. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. It's so important to me that I'm willing to legitimize your need to take it and help you teach it. And I have had no one take me up on my offer, not because people aren't sincere and wanting to do it, but because they realize the cost, the cost. 500 bucks is a lot if you're just starting out and you want to teach. Now, I would say that's been a positive copyright conversation that I've been able to have. I was proactive about it because I was really quite worried that people would take these templates I pay this guy for. He gets a cut of every sale. Like I didn't give him a set, here's 50 bucks. I said, you're going to get a percentage of every course sold. And that was very motivating for him and for me to protect this asset. So... Being very upfront about licensing was helpful. So I did this promotion where if you were a subscriber to my library, you got half off the course. And I had a few cases of people who subscribed, purchased, and immediately unsubscribed. And those, for me, were instant refund and block Mm -hmm. type transactions. I don't think that's ethical. And then I found some of my photos being used by someone else. Uh, I won't say which country, but not the United States. On a social network being used in that country, in that country's language. And I said, hey, what are you, what's up? What are you doing? And they said, oh, no, I'm just promoting you. And I said, I really can't see how you are. I see your logo on my photo. Yes. That's another easy block yeah. for me. People know what they're doing. They choose to do it. I think people who say, it's on the internet, I can just use it. And if they are in business or have a business associated with their handle, that's to me plainly wrong. Mm-hmm. If you're not in business, if you're showing me pictures of your salad and your grandkids and you post my flowers, I don't care. Great. But if you have a business and you're posting pictures of my flowers to promote your business and you haven't talked to me, that's- Or you haven't even tagged you know, the right artist right. out there. Right. Yeah. A tag is a, an appropriate way of notification. Yeah. Because then I can at least say, hey, that's cool. Or you know what? No. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But the proper etiquette is always ask. It doesn't hurt to ask the artist who owns the right for that photo, that tutorial and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this or this. Is it okay with you? And then right. this is where you have to take responsibility and say, hey, I do have a license on this. This is my my license agreement that you can sign and read. Yeah, you can. I would be more than happy for you to share it with your audience. But it, you have the responsibility to take it on yourself to take it to the next level. Do you want to give mm-hmm. it out or do you want to have it being paid to you with all the work that you put together, create that tutorial or to do that photo? Because that photo, it takes hours and hours, create right. flower. It's all about respect on both sides. Well, yeah. And scruples. You yes. know, people who just take, they just take. Yep. They think you just won't notice. And I just, I notice everything, you know. Community is so small. Yeah. And that's just it. I it's mean, just I so to, small. Whenever it happens, someone just tells me. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't need to speak that language. I have people who speak that language who will tell me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. <Yep. laughs> Huge shout out to our community that watches our back and let us know that someone else is taking our photos without giving us credit. They are so good about pinpointing it and saying, hey, have you guys seen this? We need to like rally, show this person what what needs to be done. I agree. And I think that, you know, part of the reason you started the Facebook group and why I was so active in it in the first beginning of it was we both recognized that our community was very young. There was no other places that were we could go besides Instagram to talk about what we were doing. 
And with that youth was a certain immaturity of business, of pricing, of taking pictures, right? Of not knowing how to behave in a business atmosphere. Exactly. And as people have grown and matured and shared, it, it brings everybody up, right? Because I don't think anyone, I think everyone now in our community knows, like, don't underprice your stuff, mm-hmm. right? We've said it enough times. We just have to keep giving the messages to people so that we can grow into the maturity of the industry that we could be. Exactly. Right? Look at the florist industry, how mature that industry. Mm-hmm. Like, we're the baby sister. Yes. To those people. Exactly. You know? That they have big time. Big time. And there's a lot to be learned in from that industry. And there is copyright issues in that industry. Look at Holly Chapel is someone who has licensed her work, has copyrighted her work, has a patent on her work, and people still try to take credit for her, some of her ideas. So origin matters, giving credit where credit due matters. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are out are in it because they enjoy it and they just want to have fun and maybe they don't realize. Exactly. It. Well, thank you so much, Amity. It was such a pleasure talking to you and seeing you again. Um, yes, you too. I could listen to you all day, like, <laughs> questions because I was just listening to you talk. <laughs> you guys are so sweet. It's nice to see you all again. 